Hi everyone and welcome to the One Mind Podcast. On this show, we explore the art of meditation and mindfulness and we interview meditation teachers and everyday practitioners and we share tips and find stories that illuminate why this ancient practice is so important today more than ever. Our goal is to share with you the latest science and how to bring the benefits of meditation into your work, your health, your play, your relationships, and your life. And One Mind is brought to you by aboutmeditation.com. So my name is Morgan Dix. I'm really grateful you joined us. Today we're going to do what Tim Ferriss refers to as an in-between episode. It's a shorter episode where I am going to talk on a particular topic. Today I'm going to talk about five of the biggest challenges that I notice people encounter in meditation. Next week, we're going to return to our interview format and we will go for a while. We've got a series of interviews lined up starting next week. Really exciting stuff. But today, we're going to focus on this point of the five biggest challenges that people often encounter in meditation. So maybe you've struggled in meditation before. We've all struggled and we, at different times, meditation can be hard. And even when you do get started, it can be difficult to find a groove or a sweet spot in your practice. When you start meditation, it's not like, for example, lifting weights or running or learning guitar, where you can often really get quick results. It takes time to reap the calming and clarifying benefits of your practice. So a lot of people give up on meditation because of this. Meditation just feels too foreign. And in fact, believe it or not, there are studies which show that people would rather electrocute themselves. And I'm not making this up. People would rather electrocute themselves than be alone with their own thoughts. Really? Yes, really. I'm not kidding. So I admit I was also surprised when I read that. But then I thought about it for a bit and I realized... Before I started meditating, I also struggled with what you might call the art of being alone. And it kind of makes sense to me when I think about it. Relative to our forebearers, we experience a degree of stimulation that's completely unprecedented. And that makes it hard to sit still and be silent in the not-so-calming presence of our hyperactive and often manic and neurotic minds. And so, to me, it's, it makes sense. It's natural in that context for you to conclude that because your mind is always buzzing, 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 that you might not be any good at meditation. And then you lose steam, and that's too bad because it really doesn't need to be like that. And I'm going to explain why. But first, I want to clarify this point a little bit further with a a helpful quote from Deepak Chopra on the nature of your mind and the process of meditation. I, I love this quote. Some of you may recognize it. I think I've used this quote before, but here we go. It's awesome. Think of your mind like a flowing river. On the surface, a river flows the fastest 
and is broken up by waves and currents. But if you dive deeper, the waves disappear and the current is slower. Finally, at the bottom, where the water meets the riverbed, the current may be nearly motionless. The mind is like that, yet we identify only with its active, fast-moving surface. What lies deeper can't be accessed by thought. You must allow your mind to seek its own quiet, to return to its own source. Beautiful quote. So when you first feel inspired to meditate, it's often coming from a very wholesome place inside of you. It's the type of impulse you want to fan into a burning flame. Why? Because regular meditation practice, it enables you to dive to the still and silent source of your own mind. And the truth is, most of us rarely experience the deeper currents of the mind. Like the quote says, because we identify with the active and fast-moving surface, we lose heart and we give up. If you understand why you feel like quitting, you can totally reverse that momentum. And more importantly, you can start to identify with the deeper source of who you are. That's where meditation takes us. In the end, it's to that deeper source. So it's important as we get into meditation to just be aware of the landscape. A lot of this podcast, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to, in a simple way, just try and sketch out all the the different aspects of the landscape around meditation. And part of that is dealing with some of the challenges that we are sure to encounter on the path. Let's go into a few of them. Here's five common challenges that people encounter when they're meditating. See if any of these resonate for you or if you can relate to them. So number one, and, and the, the value of this exercise as I see it is just to, to, help, to help you see that it's universal. These are common challenges. And if you see that they're common, then it takes some of the power out of them. So number one, we aren't sure what to expect. So when you start meditating, it's not exactly clear what you should be doing. If you don't have a guide or a teacher who's coaching you, it can get confusing very quickly. As we talked about, meditation really involves being alone with yourself. You learn how to be easy with the movement of your own mind and your own thoughts. Remember, most of us just aren't used to that. And to be honest, the condition of the modern mind, which most of us have in its overstimulated state, is we just tend to bounce off 
the thoughts and the feelings and the sensations that we find uncomfortable. Because to be perfectly frank, it's so easy to find a satisfying distraction from the things that make us comfortable. We can escape in any direction. So boom, we just, we, we deflect, we just bounce off the things that make us uncomfortable. So meditation is the opposite of that. You learn how to be alone with your own mind. And then what that really means is you learn how to be easy with the movement of your own mind and your own thoughts. So number two, meditation isn't an experience. So again, we've talked about this on the podcast, but let's go into it a little bit. Most of us aren't accustomed to doing nothing while our mind buzzes away. Meditation, it doesn't feel like anything. You can experience a million different things when you're meditating. What you feel is not really the point. The point is to be still and relaxed and focused on your meditation instructions in the face of everything that's happening in your mind. As meditation teacher Sharon Salzberg puts it, she has this great quote, meditation isn't about what's happening. It's about how you relate to what's happening. You can have a torrent of thoughts and difficult emotions, but that's okay. You can be with them, not only with mindfulness, but with compassion. So that's, a, that's just a different view on how to relate to what's happening during meditation. Remember, you really don't want to do anything about anything that's happening in your experience except bringing your mind back to your point of focus, your anchor, whether that's the breath, whether that's being perfectly still, whether that's counting, whether it's a mantra. The goal is just to keep coming back to that anchor. So number three, we think our mind should be quiet. Almost every new meditator I talk with feels that if their mind hasn't gone quiet, they failed. And this is a big mistake. Your mind is like a machine that spits out thoughts like confetti at a ticker tape parade, but on steroids. I mean, triple, quadruple that image in your mind. And that's really what, that's what we're talking about. It really doesn't matter what your mind is doing because it's going to do really crazy stuff. And it may do nothing at all. It may just be like flat water. It, it may be like, it, it may be flat, but anything can happen. That's the point. And that, I know it's one of the hardest things to get used to in meditation is this idea that you think your mind should be quiet. But when you get used to that idea that it really doesn't mind, it really doesn't matter what your mind is doing, your practice is going to shift into another gear. It's just going to happen. You suddenly the things that used to bother you about the movement of your own mind will stop bothering you. That's just what happens. Now, it's not to say that your mind is never going to go quiet. If you go on a five or 10 day silent meditation retreat where 
slowly but surely you are decreasing and limiting all the outside variables that stimulate your mind, then yeah, it's like the the surface of that river isn't going to get stirred up. Your mind is just going to settle, but that's a particular environment. That's a particular container that makes that possible. So yes, often on a silent retreat, we can experience the most exquisite inner quiet. And sometimes the echo of those experiences can reverberate in our being for years. I mean, you can really cultivate that kind of silence in yourself. But more in terms of setting up one's expectation, you don't want to necessarily expect that your mind, outside of particular contexts like that, you don't want to assume that your mind has to be quiet. It's a gift. It's a beautiful gift when it goes quiet because those experiences are marvelous and they're really important. But I don't want you to think that meditation is about having a quiet mind because it's not. So number four, your mind keeps wandering. So yes, your mind is going to wander. It's going to wander a lot again and again and again. And the beautiful thing about it is that meditation is really the simple act of bringing your attention back to your object of meditation, back to your anchor. And sometimes in a given meditation session, you might do that a thousand times in a single session. But that action and that choice to bring your attention back, that's really how you strengthen your meditation muscles. And what is that muscle? It really is your attention. So don't worry. If if you find yourself continually corralling your attention, then you deserve congratulations because that's the essence of meditation. And to use Deepak's metaphor, This process of training your attention is really how you slowly but surely realize and experience the deeper currents of your own being. With practice, you will start to experience a wonderful sense of calm, focus, inner silence, and stillness. Over time, that is going to be one of the fruits of your practice. Now here's another interesting thing. In terms of thinking about meditation as building a muscle, this is something I recently read in an amazing book that I recommend called The Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal. She talks about meditation is really one of the best ways that we can develop self-control. It's one of the best ways to develop willpower. And some of the, so she teaches an acclaimed course at Stanford University on the science of willpower. And some of the research that she discovered on this was really neuroscientists discovered that meditators really, their minds were like finely tuned willpower machines. And I, th- I found that amazing. And, and again, you can read the book to learn more about it, but trust that when you're doing these, this exercise, when you're meditating and you're, you're doing that action we just talked about, and you're bringing your attention back and back and back, you're developing an incredibly important life skill that's going to cascade into all these different areas of your life. It's going to increase your capacity for self-control, self-regulation, and willpower. 
So you can really practice with confidence that you're building this muscle. Number five, we lose inspiration. So one of the most important things you can do to be successful is just to show up and to keep at it. Keep practicing. You need to create a meditation habit. And I think a lot of you guys know I'm going to be publishing a new book called The Meditation Habit. In It's either going to be late fall or, or January. But this is so important. Like anything, it's, it's the regular and consistent practice that helps you develop when the inspiration fades. And, and it does fade. It's natural. Like when, with anything you're, starting, you're trying to master, your inspiration ebbs and flows. And I have to tell you, you really will experience times when you're not inspired. And that's when you need to keep your eyes fixed on the horizon and recognize that you're in it for the long game. Because that's where you're going to see the big dividends from meditation. It's really the long game. If you stay attentive to these five challenges, and you understand that these are often some of the reasons that people just throw in the towel with meditation, you will not make the same mistakes. You'll have a context for understanding that this is really a universal part of the process. We all experience it. I think I've told you guys before I mean, it took me so long to be able to even sit up straight for a whole meditation session without falling asleep. I fell asleep in every way you can imagine, and I did it for a long time. It was almost eight years before I really stabilized in my practice. That's a long time, and, and granted, it was an intensive context. I was in an ashram. We were doing a minimum of two hours a day, but I, unless I was on a retreat, I couldn't stay awake. So understand that when you're meditating, you're going to encounter some challenging times. And, and I want you to just feel okay about the fact that you're going to hit those challenging spots. They're natural. And do your best to be gentle with yourself. Be easy. Be compassionate with yourself. And come back to these five points and see if you can recognize during those challenging times if they fit into some of these buckets that, we, that we've talked about today because odds are some of them will and it will help you when you can see them in context. It's important to understand the territory and how this all works and what to expect and it can mean the difference between quote-unquote success and failure. And I use those terms very loosely because, just because, I think you probably understand why. And I feel confident that if you're listening to this podcast, then you're the kind of person who wants to take it all the way and really master the basics of meditation. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the One Mind Podcast. If you did enjoy the content, please subscribe to the show and leave me an honest rating and a review in iTunes. Your reviews, they really are the best way to help other people discover the One Mind Meditation Podcast. To leave me a rating and a review, just head over to aboutmeditation.com forward slash iTunes. Also, you can reach out to me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Modern Meditator. Let me know what you thought of the show. I'd love to connect with you. 
In our next couple episodes, we're going to return to the interview format, and we've got some great shows coming up in the next few weeks. I'm interviewing a boxer who's an avid meditator. He meditates a couple hours a day. We're going to have a New York Times reporter, a best-selling author, and much more. So stay tuned for some exciting content that is definitely going to help you go to the next level with your meditation practice. And if you want to pick up some free guided meditations, just head on over to our website and you can register there to receive our Meditation for Life guided meditations. And also we are giving away a three-part seminar on meditation. So you can also pick that up over at aboutmeditation.com. Finally, let's end with a quote This one is from the late, great Dr. Wayne Dyer. And he says, If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Change.